0: Here it is. And it's coming oh, it. around nicely. Oh, it's, no, it's faded. It it's out to the left. And so that'll
1: be it. G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast 221. I had to get that in there just in case I'm not hosting the next. Um, so tonight we've got our burning question format once again. We're going to talk about the Super Rugby Comp. Um, more teams, less viewers, is Super Rugby diluted? Number two, uh, the Brumbies have got a whole bunch of guys leaving. What does that mean to them next year? Number three, uh, Israel Falau, is the Wallabies 13 jerseys his? Number four, what's better for Aussie rugby, Quaid at the Rebels or the Reds? And number five, who's the most hyped player we've had in Australian rugby and have they lived up to it? So that's what we're going to be going through today. As usual, we're uh, sponsored by com. Uh, go see Sportball and find your talent. Whether you're looking for a player, whether you're a player going to have an experience, Sportball.com is for you. So, joining me, as you can tell, we're, we're pumped today. We're gonna we're gonna rattle through this one. There's a lot to talk about, but we're gonna do it in, in quick fire. I've got Hugh joining me, mate. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm buoyant, Matt. I'm absolutely buoyant because on Saturday the people went to the polls and they delivered a an amazing result. The uh, <laughs> Snag Source site with 57% coming back tomato uh, to a measly 43 on the barbecue side. And, and to be honest, Matt, it's, it's, it's been a wild couple of days, basking in the glow of victory. Tomato sauce lovers have made their voice heard, and uh, it's, it's a sweet day, much like the sweet flavor of tomato sauce on a sausage sandwich, Matt. Um, oh, mate, so I don't I'm good.
1: I don't want to piss on your chips, mate, but I think the
0: AEC is still out on that one. Uh, <laughs> the recount still, that still counting preferences? Yeah, we might not know until Friday.
1: So um, anyway, so don't shoot mate, off just, too-
0: just draft that concession speech, mate. Make sure you've got it drafted sitting right there because I think you might need it.
1: Mate, it's a travesty. And um, so we are the 43. Anyway, um,
0: <laughs> then
1: uh, we've let him out from the booth again tonight. Not sure if it's a good idea or not, but he's here, he's here all the same. Bobus, how are you, mate?
2: Yeah, good mate. Um looking forward to the Super Rugby finals. I I worked out that even if the Brumbies lose to the Blues on Friday, which they probably will, um the Waratahs have to beat them the week after. So that'll be interesting. Oh. Same same venue, same, you know, Friday night early game. Mm. So, you know, whatever they can't do, the other team has to do and the better team will get through. There you go. Well, look, I think
1: that one just feels like it's coming down to the wire. I'm sure we haven't seen everything um, in that yet. But anyway, look, let's get stuck right in. Um, and like I say so the other thing we're going to do today is we're going to continue our definition of the sweet lids rugby 15. We're going to talk back row. So we're going to throw that one in the middle there somehow. But look, let's get straight into this whole thing about super rugby. More teams, less viewers. So this is the, the thing, that the news that came through, I think this week, that the Saffirs are turning off watching super rugby in droves aren't they have, have one of you guys got the the numbers to hand of what the, the dropout was there
0: no i don't i'll, I'll see if i can find in next Mate, minute. It's
1: on, our, it's on our daily news but um uh, oh, so we need to you know we need to pull that one up but yeah it was talking about that yeah the sapphires they're watching less on the telly uh and they're also like the stormers that they're, they're like uh, crowd numbers are like halved and i think there's some theories out there that it's around you know all the all these top name players who've gone off to france um and the saffers have just lost interest uh as well as obviously the the uh, Springboks haven't been doing so well so yeah, the question we've got here is more teams less viewers is super rugby diluted past the point of no return um uh, hugh what do you reckon
0: well, look, we we have touched on this subject a few times, and I, I don't want to rehash. You know, I think we're all of the agreeants that, that, that the, the new formats is is not great, not really working. Um, whether it's past the point of no return, I, I disagree with that. I, I, there's always there's always a way to salvage it, and as long as you, you know you've got the type of rugby that's being played in the New Zealand derbies and the Australian versus New Zealand games, and the occasional one with the Sufferers, it's it, um you know, that's always going to have the product in good stead. So, look, uh, the Sun Sunwolves is a big question mark to me as to what happens with that franchise. I'm not sure how they improve and, and whether what's their ceiling. Are they winning comps in any time in the near future, in the next 10, 20 years? I'm not sure. Um, South Africa are overexposed. Argentina, I think, have got a future, um, but the travel factor is difficult. Um I don't know. I, I think the word is that there is pressure for, it, within Sanzar to take it back a notch and to take it back to what it used to be. Um, still a few years to run on this current format, though. So uh, I think we'll wait and see and, and see, if, see if the competition shakes out. But, um, look, well, you, yeah, everyone knows it's not, it's, it's, it hasn't been an improvement this year. I don't think anyone in their right mind could say it was.
1: I bet you say that, but there was um, noises being made, I think, in New Zealand about you know maybe going back to having a Fijian team. Um, to enter because they had the game in Fiji and then people saying, oh, it's being talked seriously about getting a Fijian team going as well now. Um, but look, and, and the other bit is just it's going to take a bit to unwind. I mean, just dumping a bunch of those teams isn't going to be easy. I mean, we've always kind of grown. It's There's not been many franchises that have been kind of, you know, had the rug pulled out from under them. That's probably surely not so easy. Um, well, the, th- the thing
0: about Fiji, Matt, before I forget it, is, is money. Ain't no ain't no dollars in Fiji. Mm. Um, unfortunately. And um that's something Japan and Argentina had going for it and was probably, dare I say, one of the main drivers of the whole thing. No,
1: mm, definitely.
2: Babis, where are you on the whole thing, mate? Uh, I agree with both of you for most of it. Um I I believe that it's it's at the point of no it's it's gone past the point of no return. I don't think you can pull the rug out for the teams that are established. So I think that that they're gonna have to split the competition into um, like you were saying, that Hugh the Sunwolves—they're not a chance of winning in any time soon, and neither are the Southern Kings. I mean, if you add their points difference together currently, the Sunwolves and the Southern Kings are at negative 614 <laughs> for and <Ooh>. against, <laughs> and there's still two rounds to play. So whether they can get to the thousand mark might be might be too far away for them. Because I think the um, the Southern Kings have a couple of um, softer games, maybe against the Bulls and someone else. But mm. the Sunwolves could easily um, rack up their fair share of negative points. Well, look, the thing that well,
1: this week, like when we we're talking about the Sweet Lids, for example, um, and I was thinking, oh, all of my players are made up; they're either Aussies or New Zealanders, and like I've got no South Africans in there, um, or even you know any uh, Jaguar- Los Jaguares in there either. Simply because I'm not seeing them, I'm not watching them play. That they are in a different comp anyway, except that they now stack the finals when we get there. Um, it just seems ridiculous. Um, but we've, we've rambled about this before. I guess the question is, is: Is it past the point of no return? Well, it's you know we're locked in for a few years. How, how many years are we locked in here?
0: I think I think 20 maybe till 2018 or 2019. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's probably a way if, to pull the plug early, but I can't see them doing that after all they've said and done so far.
1: Mm. All right. Okay. Well, look, there's that one. So it sounds like more pain to come. Uh, question two, the Brumbies are losing to Marnie, sorry, to Maine, uh, to Mua, Pocock, and Moore. Uh, how far down the conference will they fall next year? So you, you're a bit of a fan there, Bobes. So I'm going to throw it to you, mate. Are they going to be in the finals again? Can they do that with those players gone?
2: Um, they can do it with the players gone. Uh, I don't think Moore has been as good, in very recently, really than he has been before. And I think that's not going to be the biggest loss Um, to Pocock is, is the biggest loss, but they've done it before without him. They've made the finals in 2014 without, Oh, sorry. I think it was 2013 with, without David Pocock and 2014 um, without his contributions. And um, yeah, so I think he's the biggest loss. The wingers, they seem to be pulling him out of their ass at the moment. Um, They've got a bunch of them coming through the ranks that are good and good enough to be at the same level Tamani is now. So you never know. I mean, there's some big names they're losing, especially with Tamua, But if they snatch Godwin off the force, then Tamua's not that big of a loss. But then again, that has to be done as well.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Look, I don't know if I quite go with that one. I think – I mean, we don't know who they're getting in. So that's the other thing. For all we know, they're going to pick up a couple of superstars and the whole thing looks a bit different. But um, I think Stephen Moore has been looking really good. I think he st- looked very solid at Super Level, and he had—I thought he had a very good game uh, against the Reds, and actually was instrumental in a couple of those driving tries that the rumbies rely on so much. I think you strip out Tamua, you strip out those—the uh, the only guys who had the zazzle to the back line basically, which is Tamu and those two wingers—and I think you're starting to. Look Sorry, did you just a- say the word zazzle? Is that I a word? The word I just made it. It isn't <coughs> there. Uh, and that's what the coaches use there. And um, yeah, I, so I think suddenly you've got a team that's, yeah, I think they're solid, but they, ooh, I don't think they've got the threats they've they've got now. Hugh, where do you put them?
0: Yeah, look, you can't, you know, they're for front, they're they're four starting Wallabies, and losing them is is only going to make you worse, no matter who you have to, to to fill in. And the thing is, look, the Brumbies, even with a with a pretty star started team they're still teetering, you know? Like, they're, they're still... They might make a run and end up in the final, which they've done in the past, but they're by no means running away with the Australian Conference. Um, so you've got to think without those four, the, 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 the grip they have at the moment on the conference is is, is loosening, and I think it'll loosen even more without, without the four there. Um, and look, they've got plenty of guys, you know, that can inject a bit of zazzle into that team. Um, mm. but it, it's it's a, the class and experience of Matt Tamua can't be replicated. Same with Pocock State, same. They, they've got sci-fi coming in for Stephen Moore, and they've got guys like Nigel Arwong and James Dargaville who are, who look pretty good on the wing who can probably fill for Joe Tamani and Christian Lielofano and, and, you know, Rory Arnold, and they've got the bones of still a good side, and I still expect them to be competitive and, and be in the hunt for that top spot or the top two spots, but... Um, you, you certainly can't see them being what they are this year or last year. So I'm thinking that they're second or third or third in the conference next year.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's quite a come down.
0: All right, number three: uh,
1: Should Israel Folau take the 13 jersey uh, for the Wallabies this year? So this has been uh, quite a conversation starter. Um, Hugh.
0: Well, I, I think there's a, there's a few little moving parts to this one. Um, the the form of Tavita Kurandrani is probably on the wane. Unfortunately, he's he was again quiet against the Reds, and you thought um, he might have had a, you know a bit of a breakout with a bit more space and time, but actually he was well outplayed by Samu Karevi. So you know he Samu has certainly put his name uh, in lights for that jersey. But the other thing is Dane Hale at Petty is just you know has um, come so far in the last month and and uh, look so assured in that Wallabies jersey and now just carving up for the force at fullback, that, mm-hmm. that I think if I were Michael Checker, I'd look at Israel Folau and, and and say, well, he's doing so well at 13 for the Waratahs. Why why don't I try this out? And, and I think we will see it at some point because, you know, someone pointed out to me that Folau, for all of his strength under the high ball, he's never been a counter-attacking genius like an Israel Dag or a Ben Smith who can really, you know, take those broken field plays and, and carve up around them. He's more of one of those... He, he, he does better when he's closer to the line and he can use that power and that speed off the mark that he has to accelerate through gaps. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it might end up being the best of both worlds having Fallout at 13 and Haylet Petty at 15 because that having that kicking game at the back with Haylet Petty can only help us. So should should Israel Falau take the 13 jersey? Yes, he should. Will we see it? I'm not sure we'll see it against the all Blacks, but we might see it later in the Rugby Championship against the Box or the Argies.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the truth is that Falau, his boot is is good in the sense that, I mean, it can find distance. Um, He can have some off days where the direction is just really wobbly and you get a few shockers. But, I mean, the truth is it's never been a strength. Um, whereas, you know, that haylett it Petty, it's suddenly you've got someone at the back there who has got both distance and direction and confined space. Um, I think it really gives... I mean, it was clear that we got found out in the kicking game pretty badly and in, in this series against the Palms. and, you know, suddenly if you can turn that into a positive like it used to be when we had St. Latho at the back there, um, it could make a ma- massive difference to us, I reckon.
2: Bovis? Um I agree that attacking-wise, Falao should be our number 13. But, I mean, he's really got to defend there for a prolonged period in order to show to me that he's better than the alternatives, which is Kuradrani or Kerevi. Um I think Kuradrani has been being selected because he's the better defender in that channel. And he has, he has a reach and an ability to keep getting back up. And he's been playing every single minute for the Brumbies, which no other player has done. And I think he played all the minutes in all the Wallaby tests um, as well. So he's definitely, um, he's definitely got the fitness there and the ability to defend, to defend there. But whether um, whether Falau has a shot on the wing first before he goes to 13 or, you know, that remains to be seen. If you want to put Dane Hale at Petty in fullback, then I think Falau should go to the wing first unless you've got an injury to the current number 13s that we've got on hand.
1: Yeah, I just I think I think if you don't inject him at thirteen though, you don't as Hugh you don't see the, the benefits that Hugh was talking about, which I don't think TK. I mean I don't think anyone, in, well not many people in world rugby, offered that power that Falau can, and I think he's been showing definitely for the Tars, you know, in that gap that he can find. Um, so what have, have we got a split verdict? So Hugh, you're saying yes. Yep. Okay, I've got a yes. Bobus, you're saying don't take my Brumby away.
2: Oh. Yeah, like, picking, I, I love Falao. He's, mon- he's pretty much my favourite player. Like, <laughs> Are you picking Tevita or are you picking Samu at 13? I'm picking Tevita at 13, and that's Don't Take My Brumby Away. But uh. I'm just like I, an injury to Tevita, I'd, I'd love to have Falao there, but I just think if you want to put DHP, Dane Haylett Petty, in 15, then I think Falao goes onto one of the wing spots. Yeah. Just, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I understand that logic. I, 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 although I just think kurandrani's form needs to just get a bit better. If Karevi keeps going so well, I could—I don't I, think I, I it's think,
2: been that bad.
0: I, I just think he's third in the in the Aussie Super Conference in the soup in the conference. He's behind Karevi and Falah for me. But um, look, he's he's very solid, and he was solid against the Palms. But you just. You just wonder if that's not enough with the enticing form of of the, of, of the other two, but um, mm. time will tell
1: right look, let's break this one up then, so the sweet lid fifteen, we managed to get through the back line. If you didn't hear us, well, I'm not going to go through it now, Ch- you know check out the last podcast. Um, this is about people who have either either splendid or egregious hairstyles. Um, and what we're trying to do is find the best fifteen in Southern Hemisphere players we can, who are sporting said hairstyles. So they, they're kind of competing on two levels: one, their rugby ability, and by the way, they are players who could play, who are both have that hairstyle presently and can play presently. So, you know, I'm not talking about the Rodney Blakes of the world, um, the yesteryear. I'm talking now. So we just thought this week we would just do the back row. There's a fair bit to talk about in there. Um, let's look. Uh, Hugh, kick us off. Who, who are you going to throw in?
0: Well, look, there, there's a few candidates, and look, I was stitched up with this last week. To be honest, I, I wasn't told any of the rules, and I was—I've been castigated online in the <laughs> podcast for, for not, you know, for not coming, you know, yeah, for, for following for these up, mythical yeah. rules that they've got to run out tomorrow. So, yeah. look, I'll—I'll I'll play a bit safe, safe somewhat with this one, and, and say Geordie Reid. With the dreads, I mean, you, you love a you love a love a good dreadlock, and um, you know George Smith has just enshrined that as we should always have a dreadlock back row in Australian rugby, and you know I think Jordy's a bit more sort of that dirty sort of looks like more that he just hasn't showered in a, in about three years, kind of sticky, yeah. disgustingness than the, the what George was, but um, uh, he's I, I think he's enough to get him in our in our sweet lid fifteen, so yeah. I'll, I'll throw up Jordy Reid.
1: With the manky Surfer Dreads. Okay. Um, and, uh, okay, you may be putting him in an open side. I think he's got a bit of competition there, though. Well, he's got
0: some versatility, Geordie. He could probably play all, all three right. spots. So that's, that's, that's his strength, too.
1: All right. Well, because, look, I'm going to throw someone in there that's kind of hard to deny in both form and in hair, which is um, Artie Surveyor. Um, with that kind of that wedge top that he's sporting, it's pretty splendid. And, you know, he's probably, you know, arguing as far as a sort of a running seven. He's probably up there at the moment competing, um, you know, as best in the world. Um, I think he's very much in the Hooper mold, um, for example. But I think a lot of Kiwis would say he's even better. So I'm going to throw um, Surveyor in there. Um, have you got anyone, Bobas, that you can throw in to, to complete this, this back row trio?
2: I quite like um, Colby Feinger's hipster kind of low fade that he's got going with the with the trendy kind of flick over the top. But it's not it's not a terrible haircut. But uh, it's just someone yeah. I, I'd like to throw in there. Yeah, <laughs> is that but you wouldn't mind that haircut yourself? Is, is no, I wouldn't mind the haircut way? myself. Is that what is that what we're going for? Or
1: no, I've got to be
2: terribly bad looking haircut. Well, I just think they've got to be pretty outrageous. So in that Victor case, Vito has a terrible haircut at the moment. If we're going for the
1: uh, does he? I haven't. Even, I can't remember. I can't even remember what it is. I'll tell
2: you. I'll throw a kiwi in there. Um,
1: it, I think it's Liam Squire from the uh, Highlanders. He's this big guy. He's got a real per- burst of space. He scored a try against the, the um, Waratahs this year. Um, in that, <laughs> what
0: the hell was that? Um, Clearing clear your nose, Hugh. Mm, sorry, sorry. Hey, we, we can edit that out. We can edit that out. I forgot to mute my microphone before that. Yeah, if if, if you're you want to.
1: yeah, blowing your nose into the podcast, probably, <laughs> probably a no. <laughs> uh, so that's yeah. why that's
0: why, why why they pay me the big bucks on this, you know, That's it's just that authenticity you get with our podcast.
1: You should have just said you are making a cappuccino. That's pretty much what <laughs> that like
0: um, yeah. So this this Liam
1: Squire dude, uh, he's, he's the guy with the full on mullet. And he's got a lot of pace. Uh, big guy. I'd be you know, and he scored some pulsating tries so far. But the other guy I guess we can't write off uh with the with with this sweet lids, it's gotta be, you know, Michael Hooper. Um up until last season he had that long hair, which I know drove a lot of Queenslanders on the site absolutely bananas. Um and you've got to say he's a pretty damn uh good rugby player. So if you had like Hooper, Surveyor, and Reed. That's, that's a pretty good trio. Yep. Uh, yep. You can probably work around. Uh, you probably want a little bit more height. But when it comes to hair, uh, I think those three are, are doing pretty well. So, look, we're going to throw those out. We, we were having a chat pre-recording about so who's in the Type 5, and we could do with some help there. So if you guys have been listening or ladies who have been listening, you've got your eyes out on some people with um, some pretty egregious – Bonsers, then uh, drop us a line and let us know who you'd put in the tight 5 for the Sweet Lid uh, 15. Okay, let's move on. We've got two questions to go. Um, This is an interesting one. What's better for Aussie rugby? Quaid coming back to the Rebels or the Reds? So you've got some skin in this game, Bobus. Where would you like to see him? I
2: would love to see Quaid at the Rebels, but whether that's better for Aussie rugby or not, I'm not sure. I think it's better for him to go to the Rebels. I think that he's got a better chance of winning the title. But I think he'll get more bums on seats. And just strictly for Aussie rugby, I think it's better he stays at the Reds and gets the supporters there back involved, gets the the We Are Red chant back up and going.
1: Mm.
2: But I think that he might be the missing link at the Rebels that they've been missing. If you watched that last game against the Stormers, it just reminded me of... That England, those that last England test, where it just seemed to matter, no matter how many times the Rebels scored or the how many times the Wallabies scored, the other team would just kick off, score another try, score another penalty, and then be, you know, three points the better. Mm. They scraped themselves back in so many times until the last 15 minutes, where they just they ran out of players. There were mm. Too many players injured.
1: But um, look, this is a Queenslander the Queenslanders' nightmare. Hugh is that I'm going to put you in charge of. Selecting where Quaid needs to go. Where would you put him?
0: Well, look, I've I've thought long and hard, Quaid, and I know you're listening to this. Um, uh, Quaid, you will go to Queensland, (laughs) Um, and so um, look, I'm sure. Look, I'll I'll get my people speak to your people and we'll arrange the flights and everything. But um, that's where we go. And the reason is, look, I I don't think either's a bad result. I think he'd be great at both franchises. I, I just think and bobus is dead right he, you know it's just it's just a bigger market he's a more recognizable figure and they need they need him there more than the rebels need him and and uh, there's probably more of a hole at 10 uh, in queensland than there is in melbourne and and i don't know just that state needs a bit of a shot in the arm and that team is is crying out for a real marketable figure um with carmichael hunt just perennially injured Liam Gill's going overseas, you know, James Slipper's a prop and that never really cuts through. So th- they they just need that, that one guy to put on the posters and, and I think um, Quaid is, is that guy. So um, lock it in, Reds fans. Get excited because um, our, your man's coming back.
1: Yeah. Well, I, anyway, I'm going to send him to the force. So there you go. <laughs> make everyone happy uh okay so that's quade it sounds like uh queensland is probably where he's gonna end up again and my god how that uh, that, all our numbers have been missing it right so we just don't have as much ranting going on in the in the in the comment section since he's been gone nor you know that kind of gold whenever if we ever we needed an article to drum things up anything about quade would do it so it would be great to see him back um final question for tonight Recently, we've seen Jared Hayne and Tong and Thor debut. Who has been the most hyped player? Uh, we haven't really got a timescale on this, so I'm not going back to the 1920s, which I'm sure you've got some ideas about, Hugh. I think we probably need to say in living memory. Um, but who's been the the, the the most hyped player? And I'm going to throw in and have they lived up to it? Um, and I must say, before we get in, I, did you guys see this Tong and Thor dude play on the weekend?
0: I did, I did, and I'd yeah. be interested to see Bobas' take, too. I, I thought he was really good. I mm. thought that ball running, he just, at one point, he just hit a, he ran a line, and it was really incisive, and he just hit the ball with a speed that you never see from a prop, and you just sort of felt... You feel his his power going through the line, and, and he just seems to have an instinct about him. He's got a ball-running capacity. Scrumming was a bit hot and cold, and you'd expect that from a young prop, but um, I think there's a lot to like about this guy. I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, look, I was – I mean, I hadn't seen him play. I, I think I'd seen that crazy clip, but that was at club level or something, and so you just kind of ignore it. But, um, yeah, I mean, his kind of foot speed that just from a standing start, he seemed to just be able to just power away was – quite amazing the one thing i did notice that after about 20 minutes i didn't see it so much um so i i I would imagine like anyone he's probably this extra pace of super rugby would take the sting out of those muscles pretty quickly um but no i thought he was pretty amazing just while we're talking scrums for a second how badly rooted did the rebels scrum get on was it saturday night
2: yeah it was it was pretty shocking it was Crews are now, as soon as they took him off, it kind of mended it a little bit. Mm, but bit. I, I think maybe they were the ones that were cutting up the grass and making sure they didn't hold because they were going backwards every time the grass held, which was the whole game, this game. Mm. They were in reverse. They had six gears of reverse in the first 30 minutes before they hooked to the, um, I'm not sure if he plays one or three, but... Um, as soon as they took him off and brought Laurie Weeks on, so I'm guessing he's tight-head then, um, as soon as they brought Laurie Weeks on, it kind of mended it for a bit. They mm. still were on the back foot, but nowhere near the speed that the Stormers were just ploughing through them in the first 30 minutes of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and it was, I mean, what was refreshing to see that, was that it was true scrum dominance, because the scrum, it was staying square. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't people dropping it, and it wasn't people going around in circles. It was just raw power. Um, coming through the Stormers. That was quite awesome to watch, Um, and I'm sure that kind of left the the Rebels scratching their head a bit. They really suffered from that. But anyway, sorry, that that was my diversion. Let's get back to um, the most hype players. Uh, Hugh, I'm no doubt you're itching. Who are you going to throw out there?
0: Well, look, there's a couple, I suppose. You could could split it into a couple of categories. There's the League Converts, um, and there's the sort of the Young Prodigies. um, And... I, I I will say that I, I think the most hype debut player I think I can remember is probably Del Sailor. Um, around that I think he about two thousand and two, maybe two thousand and one, yeah. when he first came onto the scene for 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 the Reds and then to the Waratahs. I mean, now that was a real hype debut when when Del first came out in blue. That that um that was something that everyone was watching. So uh, I, I think that was it and, and more or less delivered on the hype too. I think he was he was a pretty decent player at super rugby level and, and international level as well. So um yeah, I think I think he's my most hyped uh, debut player.
1: Right. Davis? Uh
2: if splitting into those two categories I'm gonna go a league one. And um I didn't see a lot of Falau before his first test for the Wallabies, so on his debut test for the Wallabies, I was just thinking, what have we got here? Because the Waratahs, I'm pretty sure they didn't make the finals in 2013. I could be wrong. Um, Yeah, and um, I didn't see a lot of him. And yeah, he just two tries on debut against the finals and the first one was just out of nothing. And I just thought, who is like, how did he manage to make that space for himself and how did he run through? He did the same thing against the Sunwolves, but the level of... One of the loose balls he picked up, he just kind of skipped through from 50 metres out. Um, The the level of defence was a a lot lower, but he he did the same thing on his debut against the Lions, where he just kind of got the ball in a little bit of room and just turned it on and just seemed to be untouchable almost.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he completely nullified that tactic the Lions had of just the high ball. Um, yeah. because, you know, he was, he, was, he was fielding it and basically and at least breaking two or three tackles and turning it back into attack every time. And you, you just saw the lines go, oh, crap, that's that kind of tactic out the window. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm going to go for a slightly different approach here. I mean, it's been a long, long story, and I guess it's maybe fizzled a little bit now, but I think the years of hype that Kirtley Bill and Quaid Cooper have given us Um, since those early, early days when they were both kids and it was which who was going to make it first and they were both like early teenagers, uh, you know, at the Reds and the Waratahs respectively. Um, And, yeah, the hype about both of them and that's, that's continued on. And to be fair, probably Quaid's attracted more of that hype. I think for a while there you'd say Quaid was doing kind of you know better you know, than Kirtley, and then Kirtley came back and got the Waratahs. You know and you know guided the Waratahs to uh, in, into a was it the final against the Crusaders, but then they got they got dusted. Um, anyway, I think that whole battle has just been something that year after year has has uh, you know delivered in spades. Um, so that's been that's been pretty amazing for me. Um, I would say I tell you somebody else who completely didn't up. Really do you remember T- Tamano Tahu?
2: Yeah, <laughs> all too well. Oh, God, Did he play centre for us in South Africa and then just let in fifty points? Not himself, obviously, but we yeah. let in fifty points.
1: No, he had abs- he got absolutely isolated once and got you know it was a shocker. But between his injuries and whatever else, he never really delivered. There was I know there wasn't as much hype around him as there were some other players. It but- was a
0: bit unf- he was a bit unfortunate. He he was good at Waratah level, and I remember I don't know if I had this discussion on this podcast, but played really well in the Australia A series when we used to have them in the pacific nations cup and was easily our best player for australia a and and mm-hmm. got a quite deserving debut but um unfortunately didn't didn't um really deliver yeah. um uh, for the guy but um we, we, he's certainly not the worst league convert we've had put it that way i can i'll i'll raise you with nathan blacklock or a ryan mcgoldrick um, oh my god ryan i couldn't league league fizzers Oh, okay.
1: Um all right, look, we're not gonna go through um I'm banning us going through every game of next round from now on because um I think that's boring as batshit. But I wanna uh, ask you guys, out of the matches that the Aussie games there, what you know, what are the big ones? What are you looking forward to? Uh, Bobis what's, what's the one you're looking out for
2: uh, the big two you've got the Brumbies and the um, Blues and then you've got the Waratahs and the Highlanders they're the only two I'm going to be watching in terms of making sure I'm there to watch it obviously if the other ones are on while I'm available I'll yeah. be flicking them on but um, they're the huge ones for Australia because one one team drops a game. Like I was saying before, if the Brumbies drop the game against the Blues, the Waratahs have to pick up where they left off the next week, same time slot, same team, um, yeah. away from home in Eden Park, isn't? Um, and yeah, so the Waratahs beat the hurric- uh, sorry, the yep, the Hurricanes. Um, that'd be an incredible, uh, it's not an incredible win, but if they do it then that's really good. And then they've, they've got to back up against the Blues. The, the Brumbies just have to beat the um, the Blues, and then they've get, I think they get the force at home. So they should be banking on at least four points from those two weeks, whereas the Waratahs need to, um, need to get more.
1: Well, so if you're Waratahs supporter, you're watching that first game with bated breath. Yeah. Um, death riding the Brumbies. And that's going to be you, Hugh, surely?
0: That is going to be me. Um, as much as I love the, our, our um, Canberra comrades... Well, this is a guy for people, I know Matt doesn't want to go through, but we'll tell, say, when the games are. Friday, we've got Blues, Brumbies, and Reds, Chiefs. Uh, Saturday, we've got Crusaders, Rebels, Waratahs, Hurricanes, and Force Stormers. Waratahs, Hurricanes is the best game of the week for mine. Um, speaking a little bit um, out, of, out of my own pocket there in terms of the, the Waratahs, but um, uh, these Kiwi derbies, the Hurricanes and the Waratahs, tend to produce really good games, These these two teams, and... Pretty free flowing. I'd expect a I'd expect a high scorer in this one. Um, probably hurricanes look like they've got that class edge, even though the Waratahs looked really good against the Sunwolves. And um, yeah, funny. Yeah, that. I think they're, they're coming. Not team many teams to look that good out.
2: against the sun um, Sunwolves this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you say that, but you know the Stormers certainly didn't, and um, you know the the Reds kind of didn't. And it's one thing to to, to have an easy beat team. But it is another thing to put them away in the manner that the mm, Waratahs did. That's right. Um, yeah. And it's all you can do, and it's and it's what they did. And, and certainly, a lot of their stuff was Harlem Globetrotter stuff. You know, offloads out the back of the hand, and and um, you know, guys like Dave, Dave Dennis had a great game, and Tatafu and. And um Nayar Voro just looks like a wrecking ball and and if they can work out how to use him properly, he'll be he'll be really. I'll ask so.
2: you guys a question about Nayarvoro because I just thought that was a clear cut yellow card. Like I just thought that was a dumb, dumb brain explosion where he's moved his foot in order to trip him. And I just thought, yeah, you get seen doing that in front of the touch judge, you're gonna get a yellow card. But other people have been thinking it's the softest yellow card they've ever seen. I thought it was soft. I, I thought there wasn't
0: enough impotent a couple of factors as well. Like, I think if the bloke was in a legitimate try-scoring position, that kick was way long and it rolled dead easily. That was, like a, it was a terrible definitely. kick. Don't get
2: me wrong, but it was a dumb move. And I think that move. contributes
0: to it if it was something that – and, and it, was, it was lazy, but I don't think there was enough intent there to really take the bloke out. Um, he did
2: a dance move in order to hook his feet up with the other yeah, guy. He in, did in the grace line motion. on the sideline. The line. bloke's
0: 160 kilos. Once you push him off his axis, he, he's got no control over what he, where he's going. Fair um much. So, yeah, look, in super slow-mo, it didn't look great. I think it fast motion. I I, th- I thought that was a bit much. Uh, to throw that on top of a penalty, which was you know right down in kickable range. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I thought that was a real double blow for what was a fairly innocuous sort of act. So And not at all dangerous. It wasn't like the bloke fell on his head. So uh, I, I thought that was a bit silly. But in the end, the, the Waratahs, it almost was the thing that spurred them into action, that yellow cut, actually. It kind of just shook them up a little bit and, and, and got them playing... And and they didn't look back, and I think they racked up 40 points in the next you know 20 minutes. So, well, they
1: certainly looked like a team with some other point to prove, considering it wasn't meant to be a hard match, and they were overseas. Yeah, so leave. much zazzle yeah, in that, that, that.
0: backline too. It was great. It was a
1: lot of zazzle. I think we I think we might have the title for this this episode. <laughs> um, okay, so okay, so they're the main games that uh, we're all going to be watching this weekend. A very big weekend uh, for Aussie rugby to shape out, shake out. Who's going to be contesting the title? I think that's about it, fellas. I think we might just wrap that up. How's that?
2: Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. Good it stuff.
1: I think it was short. Um, and so that just leaves for me to say to everybody, thanks for letting us come in your ears, and we'll see you next week.
0: That's the man off the ball. I gave him the opportunity. When I spoke to him, he spoke to my family. I won't have it.